Great. Do have a seat. It's um, great to see you, and uh, I hope I hope you weren't filled with a, a, a sudden feeling of panic, as uh, Ben and Annabelle said that it, today was Giving Sunday. Um, we are going to talk about money. Don't worry, I will look after you and I'll guide you through the whole process. You will go home very happy. Um, we don't typically talk about money a lot at G2, partly because um, we, when we began G2 uh, 13 years ago, we deliberately wanted to craft something which someone who doesn't go to church could come to uh, and not freak out. Uh, and one of the things that often does that is that awkward moment when suddenly it all gets really heavy about money. And what can, that can often leave people with is that feeling that deep down, that's why we wanted you to come. And we were, we're just going to heap you with guilt about the leaky roof or whatever it is uh, that the cause is. And a little bag with, you know, felt bag and a wooden handle will come by and you'll have to put in, you know, a wadge of notes or, or some money that you know, makes a clinky sound as it goes in. So we, we kind of went the other way, and we, we eliminated that from the meeting. But the challenge is, of course, that means we often aren't tangibly engaging with discussing uh, money. It kind, of, it kind of just happens invisibly in the background. So we wanted to talk about money. Um, G2 has a mission, and our mission is to help people discover and follow Jesus Christ. And in this series... Uh, in this month, we're looking at the idea of multiply. How could we multiply that vision? How can it grow and expand? How can it become two and then four and then eight and 16? How can uh, we uh, see good things that are happening and allow those to grow and explode? We looked at the kind of the growth of the vision in our hearts that, that we need to have that multiply vision in our hearts. Uh, we looked uh, last week at invitation, that uh, a, a multiplying vision has invitation at its heart. And next week we'll be talking about um, serving and how we participate and are personally involved in it. And so today we're going to talk about um, finance and resourcing. How do we resource a multiply, multiplying vision? And resources are key to any thinking about um, things being bigger. Um, resources are a vital part of it. We, we can't think and plan about growth without talking about money and without talking about resources. Now let me ease you in gently with a few uh, promises from the Bible. The first is this, Psalm 50. The cattle grazing on a thousand hills are mine. That's good news for McDonald's. Sorry if you're a vegetarian or vegan, um, in which case they're happy cows that have lived a peaceful life and die of natural causes, um, feeling full and satisfied. Um, and I know there's only two hills there, but they are for illustrative purposes. There are more hills um, in the background. God owns all the stuff. All the cows are his, the hills are his. Everything that's made from something, even that's made by people, is made from stuff that belongs to God. The world we inhabit, even, even the atoms from which our bodies are made, are God's property. God owns them. Uh, verse 2, Haggai 2.8 says this, All the gold in this world already belongs to me. 
So God already has plenty of money. God's not like cash-strapped, desperate for a few people to help him out with a couple of quid in the offering basket. God has money. All the money is God's because he's God. So all the money already belongs to him. And if our story, our history at G2 is God has always provided for us whenever we've asked him for resources to do something. For example, we wanted a baptistry so we could start baptizing people. The money was provided when we needed to get a, a new PA system and spent quite a bit of money on that. When we wanted to employ some staff to release people to do some children's work and youth work and student work. Um, at every stage, our story has been that God has provided out of what he already has through people for those things. So God has the money. Here's another one. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So everything comes from God's initiative. Nobody's got any resources or money or things of value that steps outside the statement that in the beginning, out of nothing, God made the entire place where we exist, including all the stuff all the things that we value and treasure, including ourselves as well. And so God, God is rich in resources. He's not a struggling God, desperate for a few pence just to help, you know, fix the thing he needs to do or the project that he wants to. God is the God that has all the resources, all the treasures, all the things that are needed to do the things that God speaks to his church about. God has those. And then lastly, we, of course, have a personal... Oh, should we just have a moment and go, oh, there we go, great. Okay. And it's like it's really, it's like it's just looking at you, isn't it? Yeah, wherever you are in the room, that's creepy. Okay, so we all have a relationship with money and resources and things. And it's an obvious point, but you weren't born with any money and you won't leave this world with any money. A few years ago, I was at a funeral, and uh, as the service ended and we were going out, two people in front were talking, uh, and one said to the other, I wonder how much he left. And the other one said back, all of it. Like, I mean, I know it's a really obvious point, but we all have a temporary relationship with stuff and resources. And money. If you, if you got any at the start of your life, then it was a gift to you, ultimately from God. And when you leave, you will take none of it with you. So our attitude to all these treasures should be one of not hoarding or keeping or even ownership, but the attitude of stewardship. Temporarily, God, you have allowed me to have stewardship over these things. And in serving you, I also want to serve you with the resources that I have. Well, let me run through a little bit about uh, money at G2. So we'll look first at spending. Uh, we spend some money. Uh, you may not know that. We spend about £40,000 a year on staffing. We've got a number of part-time roles. I'm one. I work for two and a half days a week for the church. We've got Hannah, who does a day and a bit of uh, admin. We've got Adam, who does two days of student work. We've got Fiona, who does a day and a little bit of children's work, and we've got some people helping out with you. So that all adds up to about 
40,000 when you add in all the taxes and stuff that goes with that. Our Sunday meetings cost about 8,000 pounds to run, um, and that's uh, rent, but you know, like the biscuits um, are a gift of God via Sainsbury's. Um, <laughs> Sainsbury's like it when we pay for them, so, um, uh, so that, that, all that adds up to about 8,000 pounds. I should stick to my notes, so I won't do it. <laughs> 8,000 pounds on Sunday. Um, we give away about 10% of our money. 6,000 a year gets given away, and that's uh, certainly that, that's about the amount that we're happy to do, or not less than 10%. We would like to give away 10% um, or more. Uh, we spend about 2,000 pounds a year on ministry. That might be youth work. Uh, that might be children's work, bits of paper and sticky labels and bits of glue that they leave all over, all that stuff, uh, uh, and hubs and... Um, students and things like that, that adds up to about £2,000. Uh, we spend about 4000 on admin. That includes contributions towards office and things like electricity and uh, internet connection and uh, finance admin, which has to be done by the people that are qualified to do it. Apparently, the tax man doesn't just take your word for it. You have to actually properly document it. So that needs to be done properly, and so we need to pay for that. And then mis uh, miscellaneous other things, which, I don't know, it's all sorts of things like websites and uh, licenses and things like that. So that adds up to this year, uh, we will spend between about 60 to 63,000 um, pounds. I don't expect you to know this, but we're doing pretty well to run church on that budget. Uh, most churches of our size would be spending way more than that to resource what they're doing. And for a lot of the things that we do, if I'm honest, we often end up doing it the thrifty way. So for example, something broke on the PA system, the screen was very dodgy uh, for a few weeks, and the, I had to um and ah, like, mm, can we afford to replace that? Can we get the bit or not? And it turned out the bit wasn't that expensive, so it's fine, we got the thing that we needed. But in a lot of our discussions about the, the opportunities that God gives us, we often very quickly hit the point where we say, do you know what, we can't afford to do that or that, so we'll need to do the cheap option. Now, we are in Yorkshire, and, and there's a certain cultural credibility that we are, you know, good with money in Yorkshire, okay? We're doing it a Yorkshire way. But I think we've kind of hit the point where too often we are having to make ministry decisions not based on what do we think God's saying to do? What, what would multiplying this look like? What would, what would a brilliant way to do this be? We actually end up doing the, actually we, we can't afford much more than the basics, so let's do it the basic way. And sometimes that's okay, but sometimes that's actually holding us back from the vision and the ministry that we feel called to. Uh, our giving, uh, we currently have 59 people who give regularly, uh, and they are that givers might one giver might represent a whole family, might represent a couple, or it might be an individual. And uh, the amount that's currently given per month is about four and a half thousand pounds. And that number, as you can imagine, changes month by month. Actually, at the beginning of the year, it was about four and a half thousand. It rose up to the summer to about five and a half. Then, inevitably, over the summer, some people change jobs and that kind of thing, graduate and move on. So there's there's always a little dip. So we've dipped about a thousand, and we're currently it's about four and a half thousand pounds uh, a month that comes in. 
and we've got reserves of £20,000. Uh, that is not money we can spend. I'm sorry we can't just like splash out on more donuts or get everyone a pizza. Um, as much as we'd love to do that, although we probably wouldn't, but as much as we'd love to do that. Um, so that's kind of what the charity commissioners would like us to have as an emergency fund. And they, they like you to have about three to four months of working costs uh, as your emergency fund. Um, some churches will maintain something higher than that. And we've looked at that partly because we, our liabilities are fairly low. We, for example, we're meeting in a rented building, so we don't need to think, what if the roof started leaking? How much might we need to pay if we had to fix that straight away? Because we're rent, we don't have to do that. So we reckon that's about the right amount of money that we should keep there. We can dip into it if we have an emergency or a, a need that we just can't get around. But if we did that, we would need to build it back up. So we, so we maintain that in terms of good practice. And as I guess you can imagine, um, as we start to expand even in little ways, like going from one service to two, means we're paying a bit more rent, means we're buying a few more things, we need to get some more jugs, we've got some more cloths, there are some more cookies, and it adds up to we're spending a bit more. So we are growing outwardly and expending more outwardly, so we also need to think about our giving and how we resource that. So 59 people giving, about 4,500 a, a year. Um, where might that be? Well, um, I kind of think maybe we should have a goal that that number rises to maybe over 100 givers. And 59 givers looking at families and individuals probably means about half the people who are regulars are giving. So we want to encourage some that, be, because we've not talked about giving, we, we tend to not talk about it more than once a year, um, some people may not have known or heard uh, about giving, um, and we've not had a need that we've needed to bring to the church, so we feel like it's an important time to talk about it now. And also, it'd be great if our monthly income went up to maybe something like that. That would mean when we have discussions about something with youth or with children or students or hubs or lots of things that we think, that's really good. What could we do there? We're not constrained in our decision by... There's no money. We just so those options are all shut down. We it would allow us the opportunity to consider more options for all the options. Um, let me add to that. It would be great also if we could build up our reserves to invest in ministry growth and church planting. That is beyond what's right in front of us now, but to also anticipate. What might we be doing next year? What might we be doing in five years? And for some of that, we need more than just month-by-month -month income, but we also kind of need to build up a bit of a savings. It's not the same as the emergency fund. That's for if we hit a problem. This would be about saving up for opportunities, bigger opportunities that might come um, in the future. Well, what might those be? I mean, there could be all sorts of things, and you'll get a chance to chat maybe in a minute about what you think some of them might be, but one, for example, could be um, next year, uh, Burnham, where we used to meet, will have been fully redeveloped. It will be a brand new building, and we have the opportunity to go back there. And that would be great to maybe either move the 345 service to there. That would work much better for families. Or to plant there. Now, we've not made that decision yet, but either way, there would be a financial cost to doing it. If that opportunity were here now, we would have to say no, because we haven't got the funds to resource it. 
it'd be great if in 10 months or so, when we were looking at that decision, or even earlier, we knew, do you know what? We could have the funds to allow that to happen. However you divided up a bit more PA equipment, some rent, you know, coffee jugs and, and table mats and things like that, it's probably going to add up to between eight and £10,000 in the first year to move back to burn home for one of our services. Uh, at the moment, we don't have that, but if we had it, that's an option that could be on the table that we could pray through and think through. Uh, we'd love to do an intern scheme, and we've done that in various ways over the years. And it's been one of the most significant ways in which people have been able to grow in their um, experience of serving God or to test out a calling um, to leadership or just to be able to give some more time intensively um, to things that are happening in the church. And some of that involves the costs being met by the person, but it would be great if we could resource that and do that really well. Now, ch any church that does that has to put some budget to it. Maybe there's a staff member puts some time to it, or there's some subsidy, or there's some form of cost. Again, at the moment, we don't have the resources to do that. But it'd be great if we um, had, had some money uh, and we could look at that. And the third option is church planting, which is something we uh, uh, are gearing up for in terms of planting sites. We would love to be able to resource any future church plants that come out of G2. Um, my friends in America that plant church, churches tell me the cheapest you can do it is $100,000. That's like, that's like your budget church plant. I've got friends in London that would say minimums £50,000. Some would say you can't plant a church for less than £250,000. So we're pretty good. Like, we're really, really thrifty. We figured out some much cheaper ways to do it, but we can't do it for free. We would need something to be able to do it. So don't worry, it's not £250,000, um, but it's, it's an amount of money. Well, let's quickly decide whether you should be giving. And I've got a helpful computerized flowchart here, which will help us figure it out. Question number one, are you new? Um, if you're new to church, and in terms of rotors and like getting you involved in helping, we tend to use the rule of three months. Some people like to be new for much longer than that. Um, but if you're new, then, then don't give, okay? So just take a breath. It's fine. We're not asking you for any cash. If you're new, brilliant. You're just checking like... Okay, they're fairly, they're fairly cheap, but I don't know about the other ones. <laughs> don't panic. <laughs> um, the next question, do you follow Jesus yet? And if you don't yet follow Jesus, we definitely want G2 to be free for you. Because um, you, you represent the vision that we are trying to resource. So if you're here thinking, I want to find out who Jesus is and whether I want to follow him, then uh, G2, again, it's free, so you should not give. And then that leaves us with our third option. Is G2 your church? So you're not new, you are following Jesus, and you said, do you know what, this is my church. Like, we're dating, you know? Like, we've, you've updated your Facebooks. Okay, that's a bad, bad, really. But like, you know, we've gone public, and you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. I actually go to church, and it's called G2, you know? It's going great. So if, if G2 is your church and you follow Jesus and you're not new, whatever that means for you, then I think you should be giving. And in the second half of this talk, I, I want to 
help you to understand what that might be. But let's, here's a little heads up. It's my job to tell you that you should be giving. It's your job to work out what the amount is. It's not my job to tell you the amount. That's between you and God. But it's my job to say, if, if this is your family, then you ought to be connected to it in terms of giving. Okay, well, we're going to have a, a few things in a minute, but just practically so you know some, some of it happens, and we'll say more about this in a minute. Uh, we, all our giving is now online for the last year. We've been doing online giving, and then we're doing like the old-fashioned paper system where you get a form, then you lose it, then we send you the form again, then you fill it out, and you forget to put your bank details on, so we send it back to you, then you forget to sign it, and we send it back to you. You can imagine how this... That's why we're paying so much on financial admin, because it's forms. Okay, turns out you don't need to do any of it that way. It can all be done online, and you can do it through an app. So everything is at g2york.org slash give. You can literally do it on your phone, or you can do it on a website. And um, we can send you a password once you connect to Church Suite and you go on the system, and you can manage your giving. So you can go up, you can go down, you can take a little break, you can come back and do it again. So um, it, gives, it gives you full control over how you give. Um, or you can use um, the Church Suite app. Uh, and if you're on that app, it's useful to have that if you're involved in serving at G2 because all the rotors are on there. If you need to get someone's phone number to find out how you tell Dan that you've lost your voice and you can't sing or something like that, you'd need to be on Church Suite and then all that information's on there and that includes a section where you can manage your giving and you can have full control over that. We're going to hear from some people. So, um, Adam, are you first? So let's hear from Adam and he'll tell us some more. Yeah, great. So as Christian said, uh, my name's Adam. I work on staff as a student worker I want to talk a little bit about um, finance culture of students. Uh, so if we're a student here, you've probably got a Netflix account. You've probably got, probably got Spotify, probably got Apple Music. You probably quite enjoy getting an O'Keefe's Donna Kebab after a night out, a brew and brownie pancakes, spring espresso coffee. Uh, all about student finance is all about what we can get for ourselves, isn't it? It's all about what we can spend on ourselves, all about what money is as a student. Um, I think as Christians, we're called to completely reject that culture. Uh, the Bible tells us that all things from God and all things are for God and that includes our bank accounts that includes our student loans the finance that we get and it may feel like a little you may find it really hard to give with a little but let me tell you as soon as you get your first paycheck as soon as you start getting salaried it's really hard to give because suddenly you think I've got money I can enjoy this now I can spend this now it's really hard to give it uh, the challenge I think for us as Christians particularly as students is um, our heart of generosity so when you can give with a little that means that you can give with a lot so I got asked to just uh, say a little bit about my experiences of giving and what came to mind was, so the church that I used to go to before coming to uni, um, they had a vision, well we had a vision to uh, connect to the wider community in the village off the town that I live in, which is where the church is, um, not just the Christians. And so we as a church, um, yeah, I guess sacrificed some of our personal income um, to try and, yeah, out of faith to raise enough money to build a community centre um, and in this community centre, we now have an outreach cafe. It's just a cafe in the community centre that um, lots of people who walk through the village or um, come collect their kids from school because there's a lot of stuff based around the centre of this village. They all come in and we have the opportunity to volunteer and um, serve them coffee and also just chat to them. And we also, something else we do is on Christmas Day, we, do, we run a Christmas dinner for... Um, people who are going to be on their own on Christmas. Um, 
So that was really exciting. I've been involved with that about twice now. So um, yeah, we just have dinner with them and make their Christmas day really fun. And that all came out of the fact that us as a church sacrificially gave um, to this cause so that we could connect, connect with the community and spread God's kingdom there. Welcome back to part two. Let me read to you from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, which says this. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that through all things and all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work as it's written. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now to he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply your increase of store and seed. Sorry, your store, your store of seed will enlarge the harvestness of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Paul, Paul the writer there, is writing to a church in Corinth that had made a pledge for a ministry gift. And uh, he's smart enough to know that he needs to remind them of what they decided to do in the, ex the moment of excitement. When, I don't know, it was... Phase two of Paul's church planting uh, mission, whatever it might have been, uh, into Macedonia. Um, so he's following up, and he's just reminding them of what they committed to do, and he's just throwing a few things in earlier. He says, I don't want to feel at all awkward when I come to you. I want it to all be as we all thought it would be when we met on the last occasion. And I want to pick out from that short passage five things that help us. Not five things that tell you to give to G2. I want to speak much more broadly about the whole generosity of our hearts as following Jesus. What does it look like to be someone who sees these resources that we heard about that belong to God uh, from God's perspective? And the first thing to say is this. Uh, we are made to be generous givers. Verse 6 said this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. God is a generous God. He made the whole world for us. He made the universe for you to gaze at. He made the chair you're sitting on, the coffee that you're drinking, the cookie that you just ate. He made the friend that's sitting next to you. He made the internet. He made Facebook. Well, you know what I mean. He made Mark Zuckerberg, who made the Facebook. <laughs> God is a generous God. More than that, God's, God loves you. He went first. He said, hey, I'll be generous to you first. I'll love you. God didn't have any need. Self-contained, self-sufficient. He decided to love you. God said, oh, you're broken. You've not got it all right. I'll need to forgive you. So he forgives you. He needs to, to have a plan that gets you somewhere. So he needs to redeem you. So that's Jesus. Jesus comes and lives his life and dies and generously gives himself sacrificially for us, which the Bible labels as an act of generous love for us. 
So any generosity in our hearts is really just an echo of what God has already poured out to us. And generosity is important. You know this instinctively. If you've got a stingy friend, you probably don't like being them with them as much as a generous friend. I don't necessarily mean about money, just, just personality. Just like, how are they of themselves with you? We are warmed and encouraged. We're brought to life through generosity. Probably because it's a quality of God that can be poured into our hearts. And our generosity is a response to what God has done. And I think our, the generosity of our lives is something that should be normal. Like Adam said, we should, we should think about this stuff very differently. And giving is good. Giving's good for us. It's like the perfect moment at Christmas when you're more delighted about the gift you gave than the one that you're about to receive. It lasts about five seconds, doesn't it? And then... <laughs> It's that, it's that moment. Giving's good. It's good for us all. So that's the first point. We are made to be generous givers. The second point is this. We need to decide what to give. We need to decide how to give. Verse 7 says this. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart, not reluctantly, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. We need to decide what to give. Like Paul, who's writing to this church, he knows we often forget. Right now you're thinking about giving, but by Monday it may be well forgotten, and you're thinking about the next thing that's happening. And it's, it's easy for us to um, choose a good thing and then not follow through and do it. And we do it in all sorts of ways in life. And giving is also one of those things that we often resolve to do and don't follow through. Um, and God says he loves it when we are happy givers. He loves it when we give and we've, we've done it out of our decision and the gift that give, we're giving, whatever it might be, our time, our energy, our friendship, it might be our money, it might be the lending of our possessions, it could be any way in which we give when, when we do that out of our own choice and we're happy to do it, God loves it. And at that point, I think the gift becomes worship. And reading the, the Gospels, lots of stories, examples of Jesus where basically he looks at the heart. Now, you know, when a church accountant looks at the, a church accountant looks at the column of numbers and sorts them and that kind of thing, that's what the accountant does. God looks at the heart. God looks at, wow, you, you were so happy that you gave that. You were so happy that you generously gave your time. You were so happy to do it that you gave some of your money. And so all of us need to be diligent to decide how we're going to give because our society doesn't encourage us in that. I listened to something on Radio 1 a few years ago where uh, one of the Radio 1 staff, they were talking about giving, they were talking about that awkward thing when people have the collection tin, tins, and then one of the presenters outed himself and he said, actually, I give 20 pounds a month to a charity. And it was like Mother Teresa had walked into the <laughs> studio. It was like, oh my word, you are like a king amongst men. You give so generously out of your very large BBC salary to, 
20 pounds, you know, what, what, how great are you? And our society is not tuned to generous living. It's not tuned to that attitude that says, it's all come to me from God anyway. I know I went to my work and worked hard and got paid, but even what I was paid with, God made it anyway. So it's, it's always, always God's anyway. Our society is not tuned to think that way. So we need to be diligent in thinking, how are we going to give? And we need to almost audit our whole lives and think, how are we going to treat our possessions and our time and all the ways in which we can give to others? And of course, some of you will have student debt, but hey, I've got a mortgage. So all of us have got money to give. All of us have got money in our pocket, and we can choose what we want to do with it. And what we do with our treasure, Jesus said, tells us where our heart is. And we could audit our hearts by seeing how we spend our money. So choosing how to give is really important. Point three, we need to trust God for our resources. Verse eight, God is able to bless you abundantly. God's able to provide for our needs. It's really important we, we trust God for our needs there are lots of reasons in life why we can be afraid of money and afraid of resourcing. You know, maybe my roof will fall in next week and the car might break and will I have a job next year? Will there ever be a job? You know, uh, we, we can live with the what-ifs that paralyze the potential for our hearts to be generous and also our capacity just to trust God and say, hey, God is my Father he loves me. He can provide for my needs. Now, needs and wants, by the way, are not the same. There are things that you might want that you don't need, but God knows what you need. I'll tell you a story. Two weeks ago, I was traveling to Scotland for a meeting to speak to some church leaders. And on the way, I had a magazine, and it was a watch magazine. And basically, I went through and picked, like, the dream watch. I'd like to say it's the one that I might get one day, but let's face it, I'll never have this watch because it costs £4,000. Okay, so, so it's just not happening. But anyway, I did a like a, what if, you know, what if, oh, that one's not quite right. That's perfect. And I knew exactly which one, the make, the model, the issue, you know, the style, everything. Got to this meeting, turns out the guy next to me, he's got that watch. Like I've, you know, I've been coveting it all day, so instantly I saw it on his wrist. So I said, is that an Omega Sportster, second edition? <laughs> Chrome Axis, and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, hey, yeah. Uh, so, and then there's, there's this incredible moment when he took it off and went, put it on. So I'm, I'm almost, I'm thinking like, Lord, surely not. But I am willing. <laughs> anyway. He turns out he wanted it back. And even worse, this is the story he told me. He's a church leader. He said, Christian, do you know what? I always thought I'd never have a watch like this. But I thought, let's give it to God. So he said, I prayed and said, Lord, if you want me to have that watch, you will need to give it to me. And guess what happened? He went to church, and the next Sunday, somebody gave him that watch. I don't know why I told you that, but I feel a lot better. <laughs> Just... I've, I feel like I've purged myself <laughs> a bit. There are things you want. There are things you need. God knows the difference. But you need to trust God for the things that you need. The fourth point is this. 
seed and food. Now, in that passage that we read, it said he supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. And this is an agrarian society where most people would have grown vegetables and, and within the family someone would have had crops. So you get what crops are, you harvest the crop and you end up with seed and you can do two things. You can grind it up and make bread or you can keep it as seed and plant it and then you can grow more in the future. And the, Paul's making just the obvious point. He's saying God gets that. God gets that life is like that he can give you two kinds of resources. He can give you seed for bread. Like, you need it, so here you are. There you go. You need food. You need shelter. You need some clothes. You need other things. God knows what you need. That's like your food. God can give you it. But not everything God gives you is necessarily for you to consume. Some of it might be seed. And God's saying, I'm giving you that. Not for you to benefit. I'm giving you that so you can give it somewhere else. You can meet someone else's need. You can invest in something else. Or it might even be that you invest in um, your own provision in the future. Again, we are a society that consumes. We don't think this way. But God does. God says, I know you need some providing for them. Here you are, use it. Here you are, use it. But there are times when God will give you something and he says... Here you are, you don't need it, it's seed, you're now a sower, go and sow it somewhere. Be like me, I'm God, that's how I do stuff. You can be like me, this is not your food, what you need, this is extra, you can do something with it. And the fifth point is this, verse 11, so that we can be generous on every occasion. And I think the result of thinking about money and I think the result of deciding how to give and I think the result of having a generosity of heart, like the goal is we become people who can be generous on every occasion. I'll give you my story from this week. On Monday, I had to buy a birthday card. So I went to Smith's, bought the birthday card and then you know how those machines, the till, the automatic till, like, totally dominates you and it made me buy a Snickers bar so I got the card and then I had a Snickers bar I have no idea how it happens but I do love chocolate and so I'm walking out of the shop and I've got a card and a Snickers bar and I'm walking down the street and then I hear this voice got any spare food and there's a homeless man and um, normally they, they ask for money, and I, did, I didn't have any money, so I wouldn't have been able to give him any money. I just like had cards. Um, but he'd ask for food. And I thought, oh, I love chocolate so much. <laughs> so I actually said to him, look, I haven't got any food, but I have got a Snickers bar. And his eyes lit up. So I'm like, there you are, mate. God bless. And I gave it to him. Now, by the way, I, that doesn't make me Mother Teresa, okay? I'm not going to win any award or prizes or credit with God for that story. But what it did illustrate to me is this. We often don't think about how we can be generous on every occasion. And sometimes we partition our giving and say, oh, well, that's what I give. That's it. Giving. Tick. Done. The rest is for me. We can treat giving like that. Jesus, when he talked about giving in Matthew chapter 6, said, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So basically, if, if your left hand just gave something, 
saying, no, if your right hand just gave something, then he's saying, pretend your left hand doesn't know. So when the next opportunity to give comes, you don't go, oh, I've, the right hand already gave. The left hand can go, oh, an opportunity to give, and I can give, so I will, be, I will give. I'll be generous upon this um, occasion. I think the goal is that what, that's what God wants for us. He wants us to be people that have a flow of resources through us. Now, you're not necessarily a billionaire. You're not going to solve world poverty. You're not going to be able to build a hospital. You're giving maybe small. The person next to you, it might be a bit bigger. But this is about the attitude of our heart. And in a community like this, when we add it up, it can add up to quite a lot. It can become a potent force. And we can do something really good with students or youth or children or whatever it might be that we feel God is calling us to do. Let me end with um, an ancient prayer that's often prayed in a communion service that sums up brilliantly, I think, how we can think about money. And it says this, Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power, the glory, the splendor, and the majesty. For everything in heaven and on earth is yours. All things come from you. And of your own do we give you. Amen.